I believe in the extraordinary goodness of God. God isn't good. He is extraordinarily good. And what he's been doing for us here at Inspire has been amazing. And I am grateful beyond words. These are unprecedented times. And I will address a little bit of that today. And and I am glad that because of a God that is always bigger than whatever the demands may be that are placed upon him. That because these are unusual times, these are times of unprecedented breakthrough. And I really believe that. It's the principle of where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And that's important because I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a couple of them before I'm done today. And one is, have you ever been stuck? Anybody honest enough, you just lift a hand and say, that was me. It's me right now. I've, I've been stuck. Problems are meant to teach us about the amazing faithfulness of God. But sometimes they become the chains that bind us rather than the opportunities that liberate and free us. God has always been about empowering people not bringing people into bondage. That's what the enemy does. And the scripture verifies that, Philippians 4, 13. I can do, come on, help me out. How much? All things who through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to turn today to a text that I've preached from in the past. That is the story I've preached from, but not this part of it. I'm reading Mark 5, verses 6 through 9. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Now, this is what I want you to notice. Then he, Jesus, asked him, what is your name? And he answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. Clearly, that was not the man's name. But he had struggled for so long that his own identity had been lost. And this is who he now saw himself as being. I want to speak to you for a few minutes this morning from the subject, names matter. They matter. What you call yourself, what you let other people call you, matters. Father, would you speak to us this morning and in that incredible and unique way that you have of opening your word to address our lives at the moment we need it with the things we need and the way it needs to be done. Would you speak with us right now and let us hide behind the cross for a few minutes that the attention and glory can be focused upon you because that's the only way anyone gets any help. In Jesus' name we ask, and everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. Names matter. 
We just recently began a new series. This is only the second Sunday that, that the church has been in this series, and it's entitled Chainbreaker. Sometimes you need some chains broken. I ask you one question, I want to ask you another one now. What is your name? What is your name? I'm not talking about what's written on your birth certificate or the name that's in your passport. And guys, just so you'll know, because we always do this, don't we? We get to know somebody we hadn't met before. What's one of the first questions we ask? What do you do? Because we so closely identify with what we do that we think that's what we are. Well, I'm an electrician. I'm a banker. I'm not talking about your vocation. Not asking you even what you have gone through or how it affected you. Or what kind of scars did it leave? Or how profound has it been in terms of its influence in your life? All of that matters to us. And should, and it matters to God, I can promise you it does. But that isn't your name unless you allow it to become your name. When I ask, what is your name? I mean, what is your identity in God? Next question is, do you even know? I ask that because every person was created by God for great things. And yet I'm saying that to some people in this building that are hearing it for the very first time in their entire lives. Right now. Nobody's ever told them they could do anything with their life. You certainly won't hear it in the world we live in, will you? What you hear instead is not that we were created by God to do great things, but we are the accidental byproducts of random forces in nature, such as amino acids, that accidentally, coincidentally managed to string themselves together in precisely the necessary combination, which is difficult to replicate even in perfect laboratory conditions. But they did it in raw elemental nature. And then before they could degrade, which starts almost immediately, and they do very quickly, they were in turn struck by lightning at the exact moment they needed to be struck by lightning with the exact and precise voltage necessary for the very duration of time needed and the spark of life began. There was a big debate in Houston Friday night on this very subject that I've just identified. Dr. James Tour, who has spoken from this platform and called one of the top 50 scientific minds in the modern world who is a born-again Christian, was defending the fact that we don't know how life came outside of the Word of God. And somebody had flown in that's well-known in academia to debate that premise and say that we're right on the verge of replicating life in a laboratory by stringing these proteins together and all of that. And Dr. Tour was pointing out how utterly ridiculous it is. And it is ridiculous. God's word declares that every single person in this building was created by God for a special purpose. I don't know what that does for you, but it gives me hope. I'm not random. Don't tell me I am. I'm an accident, not an accident. I'm, I'm not just coincidentally here. 
Don't try to make me believe that. That's the problem with much of the world as we'll talk about in a moment. You were instead created by God to be heavenly conduits through which the grace and favor and the love of God could be administered to the rest of the world. That's what you were created for. In your own unique way, God designed you to do that. And I really do believe that with all of my heart. Unfortunately, the enemy works extraordinarily hard to make sure you never, ever believe that. And then he'll even go so far as to cancel that God-ordained assignment. And then if he can't completely cancel it, aha, this is what he does. He subverts it. And instead of your gifts being used as a conduit to bring favor and God's love and blessings to the world, you become the conduit that brings chaos and pain into our world. Drake. Billy Eilish, Eilish, whatever her name is. Shows you how much I keep up with it. Taylor Swift, I got that one right. Travis Scott, Sam Smith. They were all created to be worship leaders. But they're leading the wrong entourage in worship of the wrong image. Satan hijacked their gifts for the kingdom of God like he tries to do everyone. And you can become bound to the wrong identity. You can get trapped, strapped in. Jesus asked the demoniac, what is your name? Not what is the name of the thing that has you bound? What is your name? And the man replies, I'm legion. And I almost want to, your heart breaks when you read that. And what you almost want to do is stop and say, no, that's not who you are. That's what the enemy wants you to believe, but that's not your identity. You're not legion. Something had stolen his identity and Christ came because buried underneath the layers, that man was still there. His calling was still there. His purpose was still there. And I would go so far as to say that might be true with somebody in this building. It may be that you have been through so much and it's so buried deep with inside of you that you've forgotten that it ever existed. But you came into this world and God brought you here because through you, he intends to bless somebody somewhere, sometime and use your life. For kingdom purposes. Identity is one of the major areas that people get bound and tied up in. You get brought into bondage over things that have to do with identity. And knowing your identity is profoundly important. Because it has an extraordinary influence on your relationship with God. If you don't know who you are. It tilts you the wrong way. If you understand who the Father created you to be, it causes your relationship with God to be miles down the road. And the truth of the matter is every one of us struggle, struggle inside sometimes with identity because the enemy is constantly trying to rename us. It started when you were younger, failure, stupid, never amount to much. And all the other stuff gets laid on top of that. 
And in today's world, our young people are under frontal assault, horrific assault. Because every time they post a picture, if they don't get the right kind of likes or whatever, they, they, the enemy is there to whisper, see, you don't really matter to anybody. It's, it's horrific what is going on. And so what happens when you don't know your identity is often people will do one of two things. They will withdraw, pull back, pull into themselves, go hide in the basement, play video games, all of the while seething and raging on the inside until finally the pot bubbles over. They're the ones you read about. Some of them maybe never go that far, but they're just as broken on the inside. But the other person handles it in an altogether different way. And what they do is they get on a performance treadmill for the rest of their lives. And they try to prove they have value because something back there happened to this demoniac. We don't know what it was. We don't know who did it to him. We don't know what, whether it was an omission, whether it was an act of something that disrespected him, the failure to acknowledge his innate value and worth as a human being. But something occurred and that man handled it incorrectly. And some, like I said, get on this performance treadmill and they now set about to try to prove you're wrong. I do have value. I'll show you before I'm done. You will know my name before it's all over with. And both of those are profoundly, horrifically harmful to your relationship with God. Because if you feel that you don't have value, you, you don't have a clue how much God loves you. And when you pull back, that's really anger and hostility directed at him. It's not at your parents. It's not at the one that hurt you. It's not toward the one that didn't show and mirror love and acceptance to you. It's toward God. And he's saying all the while, I love you so much that I gave you my only begotten son. My only one. And I've said this before, I've only got one son. And as much as I love you, sorry, you can't have him. But God loved us so much that he gave his for us. I want you to think about the enormity of that kind of a statement in this whole business about treadmills. Well, that's how religion hijacks your life. Because now you've got to prove that you have value. And if it's not religion, it's the job, it's the business, it's self-worth, it's sports. It's, it's something, a cry from within that I matter. And so at worst, it's anger or withdrawal. And young people are particularly vulnerable to this. We live in a time when, did you see these young people and young adults up here worshiping a moment ago? Notice who was responding across this building the most passionately. There is a generation under attack, but there's also a generation that God is reaching for. Amen. And all of this, this, this getting started down the wrong road begins with our failure to process pain correctly. I don't know what kind of pain the man had. It was a demoniac. Legion means four to 6,000. He had up to 6,000 demonic spirits inside of him. 
And where they got started, I really don't know. We don't, again, I don't know what triggered that, but he processed it the wrong way. And that's usually where we get off base also. We start processing things incorrectly. Our defense mechanisms go to work. We mull over it. We brood over it. Or we seethe and rage over it. Still stays on the inside rather than us leaving it in the hands of God and embracing who he says we are. We do one of those two things. We withdraw, we become angry, like I said, or we, I'm going to prove to you I'm right. We get on that treadmill and I'm going to show you I have value and here we go. And that characterizes the rest of our lives. And what ends up happening is then the wrong thinking triggers the wrong actions. And when you begin to do the wrong things, it has an epigenetic effect upon you that affects your genetic makeup. And then the combination of those things, the hurt, the pain, the incorrect processing, the wrong thoughts, the acting out, the next thing you know, that becomes the learned behavior in your house. And that's what we call a generational curse. And it gets passed on to generation after generation after generation Because it defines what's normal. And this is why identity matters. Because discovering who you are liberates you. I wish I could hear an amen. Names matter. The book of Daniel is amazing. Did you know the book of Daniel was almost left out of the Bible? Because the prophecies were so accurate that when they were putting it together... That some scholars said there's no way that he could have known all of this before it happened. So the book of Daniel had to have been written after these events it describes occurred. That's how prophetically accurate it is. But then they took a look at the fact that Jesus referred to the book of Daniel in several places. As did Paul, the apostle. John on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation drew from its imagery And he wrote the book of Revelation. In fact, the Greek New Testament study Bible tells us that the New Testament actually quotes from the book of Daniel five different times, but alludes to and echoes the book of Daniel some 130 times. Yeah, it belonged in the Bible. And some say that it actually alludes to Daniel. The Bible alludes to Daniel 200 times. But here's what I love about the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel was written by Daniel. And it was about his own personal experiences in life. This is his story. He's not writing about somebody else's story. He lived it, breathed it, experienced it. It was personal to him. He isn't being told to us on pages that were authored by someone else's pen, he's the one holding the instrument that's writing the details. It's Daniel telling us about himself. And he's, this is critical. It's gonna sound like, uh, like, I don't even know where you're going with this, but it's really critical. He's telling us about himself when he calls himself Daniel. You say, well, what else is he going to call himself? That's his name, right? Well, Yes and no. That was his birth name. But let me tell you 
that Daniel raised in Jerusalem was alive when the Assyrian army came and overran the city and the country, conquered it, devastated it, destroyed it. And he was one of the captives carried away into captivity in Babylon where the administrator of the palace changed his name to Belteshazzar. We know about the three Hebrew children. They were his contemporaries, but we call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did you know those were not their names? Those were the names the same administrator gave to them. Their real names were different. Their real names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Hananiah's name meant God has favored me. But they changed his name to Shadrach, which means under the command of Aku. Mishael's name was, who is like God? That was his Hebrew name. They changed it to Meshach, which means who is like Aku. In case you're wondering, Aku was one of the demonic spirits the Babylonians worshipped. One of their principal deities. You see, all of their names in Jerusalem, these four persons, Daniel and the three I've mentioned, their names expressed devotion to God. But the first thing the enemy did was rob them of their name and say, no, you're not devoted to God. You're devoted to Aku, a Babylonian demonic spirit. Azariah's name meant Jehovah has helped. And they changed it to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, which was another one of their principal gods. Another demonic spirit. Their names were changed by the Babylonians in an effort to redefine their identity. And that's always what is behind what the enemy does to try to name you differently than God has named you. The Babylonians were intentionally trying to separate these young men from their God-given heritage. And I want you to know that's going on right now. Amen. All around the world, God is... Is, has called and is raising up a people that are going to be powerful. And the enemy, the, that the weapon the enemy immediately resorts to is, I gotta steal their devotion. I gotta fill them with so much activity, their lives. I've gotta complicate them with so much drama that they never have time to even think about God. That's what's going on. Amen. And let me tell you something else that was happening. Because you see, all of this occurred right after the fall or the death of King Hezekiah. Not long after that. Remember him? We all know his story. That's the guy that was such a good king. And then he got sick. And we hear of the prophet Isaiah, who was a contemporary with Hezekiah, coming and telling him, get your house in order. God told me to come tell you you're about to die. And so Isaiah turns and leaves and starts walking out, gets to the courtyard. In the meanwhile, Hezekiah's turned his face toward the wall as begin to cry out to, and begun to cry out to God. And God stops Isaiah and says, go back and tell Hezekiah I heard his prayer. I'm adding 15 years to his life. 
prayer still works. I need somebody to say that prayer. I can't hear you. Prayer. Look at somebody near you and say prayer still works. We know about these two times that Isaiah visited Hezekiah, but can I tell you about another one that is mentioned in scripture? And that is after Hezekiah is fully recovered, the king of Babylon sends an entourage of representatives to visit Hezekiah and they bring a gift and they come see him. And this is what they say. We're so glad to hear that you recovered. We brought you a gift. Just wanted you to know from the distant land of Babylon, the king sends you Congratulations on having gotten well. They didn't come because they wanted to congratulate him on his recovery. They came because they wanted to come back. They were spying out the country of Judah and the city of Jerusalem so they could besiege it. And so Hezekiah's feeling good. Man, all the way from Babylon, they came to wish me well. That's great. And that's 700 miles away, man. They had to travel. There were no, no airplanes. There, there were no Ubers. There, there were no cars. There were no bullet trains. I mean, he has, they have to walk on foot or by camel. And he's really feeling good about it. So he shows them the entire palace, everything he's got. Takes them to the house of God. Shows them everything and everything of any value in the country. And they leave and he's waving goodbye. And Isaiah walks up and said, what would you show them? And he said, I showed him everything. And Isaiah said, this is the word of the Lord. Those same people are going to come back. And this king that sent you that gift, he's going to come besiege Jerusalem. He's going to destroy it, destroy the house of God. And he's going to take your sons and make them eunuchs in his house. And he's going to steal everything that you've shown to these people. You find that in Isaiah 39, verses 4 through 7. And that brings up an important point. Because who was Daniel and who were the three Hebrew children? The custom was back in the day that whenever one empire would overrun another as it continued its expansion... Guess what they needed? They needed educated leadership and administrators. So you know what they would often do? They would spare the sons of royalty. And they would send them to Babylon or to wherever the empire was, in this case, Babylon, re-educate them and place them in administrative roles in their government. So Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, these were all young boys that survived the invasion of Judah and were carried into captivity and re-educated. But you see, there's a problem with just doing it that way. Because if you allow these boys to grow up in this empire without making some changes, we'll say. You not only have to re-educate them, you have to do some other things too. Who is to say that since they're royalty, because guess who was the most educated people back in the day? It was the royal family, of course. Who is to say they won't? Someday rebel, go back and restart the dynasty of their parents. And so what they would do is they would turn them into eunuchs. And surgically make it impossible for them to ever have kids. Change their names. Re-educate them into the system 
that they were being brought in to serve. And now the problem was taken care of. If that doesn't describe what the enemy is trying to do right now, I don't know what does. The enemy is trying to re-educate your children, your young people, you. He's re-educating people from one end of our world to another and saying the word of God no longer matters. Its principles don't matter. Don't listen to the, the, the teachings of scripture. You don't have to go along with that. Uh-uh. You fit into our system or you will pay a price. Can I really preach the way that I feel like preaching here this morning? Amen. And so they not only re-educated them, they made it surgically impossible to ever have kids. And then changed their names and said, you're not a servant that's devoted to Jehovah God anymore. You're now devoted to the gods of this world that we're a part of. I'm talking to somebody right now. And you need to know this, that everything you have been through, the siege and assault against your life, the invasion of enemy forces that came out of nowhere, when you were like Hezekiah, just rocking along, enjoying life. I want to tell you the enemy is doing that because he's scared to death. You have potential that can upset his kingdom. You can shake up the world. Hallelujah. I need somebody to give the Lord a praise break for just a moment. And do you know what Daniel means? And I've only got a few more minutes. Daniel means God is my judge. But they changed his name to Belteshazzar. Not Belshazzar. That was one of the members of the royal family of Babylon that we read about that saw the handwriting on the wall. Belteshazzar. Baal was one of the principal gods of Babylon. Belti was his wife. Belshazzar means Lord protect the king. Belteshazzar means lady protect the king. Did you hear what I just said? What does that mean? Daniel probably, according to scholars, suffered the indignity of becoming a eunuch. We never read about these young men marrying. And rabbinical sources say this is what they believed happened. Many of them do. But Father was given a woman's name. Don't let the enemy name who you are. I need somebody to shout, the enemy doesn't get to tell me who I am. You have been injured, but that doesn't make you a victim for the rest of your life. You have failed, but you're not a failure. You're still a child of almighty God. You have a destiny. You have a future. You have been wounded, but you're not beyond recovery. You have made mistakes, but you're not a mistake. 
You are a child of God and it does not yet appear what you shall be, but we know that God has a plan for you. The enemy calls you confused, but that's not who you are. The enemy calls you depressed, but I need somebody to say, that's not who I am. Come on, I need somebody to say it. Stop claiming some of these names for yourself. Reject them and stand up to the enemy and say, I am a child of almighty God. I haven't lost my destiny. I haven't lost my purpose. I feel God in this house right now. The Lord is in this place. You don't let that name divorce rename you. Don't let what somebody did to you give you a name that's not yours. But you don't know what I've been through. Yes. You've been through it. We acknowledge it. But we're not going to accept that as our identity. I am who God says I am. My name is not Legion. I'm Joe Smith that lives down the street. Does something happen to me? Mess me up. I lost my way for a while. But I'm getting back on track this Sunday morning. I'm rediscovering and reconnecting with God. Stand with me. And I'm done. Some of you, God might actually end up giving a new name to you. Because your old name won't be adequate. He changed Abram's name to Abraham father of nation nations changed Sarah's name to Sarah queen Jacob the heel grabber became Israel the prince Solomon King David's son was renamed by God Jedediah which means beloved of the Lord Simon was changed his name was changed to Peter the rock Saul the persecutor came to be known as Paul the apostle God's going to change somebody's name. Not because you're being renamed by your pain or your hurt. He's going to change your name because the old name won't work for the new you. So how do you keep from losing your identity? Don't allow the past to keep you from embracing your future. I want to set everybody at liberty right now. Because you know all that we Christians go around acting like we're perfect all the time. Especially on Sunday morning we show up. 
They didn't see you on Friday afternoon in rush hour traffic, did they? There's not a one of us that want everything put up on that screen that we've ever said, did, or thought. But can I be honest? I do this every once in a while. Just reach back and do this. You know what that is? That's a shoulder blade that's not an angel's wing. You're not sprouting wings. You're not about to fly away, oh glory. Amen. I'm going to say this to liberate you. I don't know a Christian. There may be some, just hadn't met them yet. But I don't know one of them that hasn't sinned since they got saved. I didn't say made a mistake. I said sinned. You knew you were doing wrong when you just went right ahead and did it. We call it mistakes. Use whatever euphemism you want to use. But be sure that in the process you don't give the wrong impression to people around you that have made a few mistakes because they might get the feeling they're not as strong as you. None of us are that strong. But God, that's all I can say. But God. It's because of God that I'm in this house this morning. It's because of God that you and I are here right now. Every head bowed. And such were some of you. That's what Paul said. Such were some of you. Who is Nebuchadnezzar trying to rename? And what kind of name is he giving you that doesn't fit? First of all, if there's anybody in this building that needs Jesus, would you raise your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, I need him. I need him. Keep raising him. I see hands going up all over the building. Risers, keep on. That's it. That's it. See you. Keep your hands up. God bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every precious soul that has raised their hand to acknowledge their need of you. And right now, collectively, we pray, forgive us of our sins, which are many. We were born in sin, shapen in iniquity. And write our names in the book of life. And cover our mistakes with the blood of Christ, your son. And I give you praise because I receive it today in Jesus' name. And now, let's have a party for a moment or two as we welcome everybody. Come on, let me hear you. Can I hear somebody shout it out? Hallelujah. Now we're going to close the service in worship. And I wonder if there's anybody that wants to get their identity back. Let me tell you what initiated that process for this demoniac. He saw Jesus and he ran to worship. And when you get in the presence of God, that's when your freedom begins to be felt that starts the process you say but I'm going to sort through this and right now I can't come but I got some stuff going on and, and 
Let me tell you, 6,000 demons couldn't keep him from running to worship. Don't you let your problems stop you. Come on. 6,000 could not stop him. Come on right now. Somebody that needs a breakthrough, come join me. Across the building. Somebody that needs a breakthrough. Come right now. Somebody that needs your identity back. Somebody the devil's lied to you. Come on right now. God's going to touch somebody. Whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's cancer, that's not who you are. It's not who you are. Divorce, it's not who you are. It's not who you are. Affairs, that's not who you are. Failure, that's not who you are. I need somebody to say it with me. That's not who I am. Come on. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. Nebuchadnezzar, you got it wrong. You don't know me very well. You're calling me failure, but I'm actually a child of the king of kings. I've got royal blood in my veins. Child of God. No longer a slave to sin. I want you to lead us, if you would, in worship. And let's raise our hands right now. And I want you to declare those words. I am no longer a slave to sin. stop just yet guys I want us to press in because I got a feeling some addictions are going to be broken right now some addictions are going to be broken do you know God still breaks addictions hello someone God still breaks addictions somebody's about to be get, be set free from an addiction yes hallelujah
defense mechanisms holding on to the pain rather than surrendering it to God embracing anger when you need to let it go come on I'm talking to you right now self-medicating with drugs or alcohol or pornography that's not where it's at it's not going to fix anything it's going to drag you deeper into shame it's going to pull you further down with your hands over your heart say God I'm letting that go right now by your grace and your help letting it go letting go of all the defense mechanisms that didn't work I got mad and it didn't help me. I said ugly things and it didn't help me. I grieved and it didn't help me. I self-medicated and it didn't help me. I embraced the wrong lifestyle and it didn't help me. I blew up a marriage and it didn't help me. I was upset because somebody else blew it up. That didn't help me. And right now I'm laying it at the altar and I'm asking God, help me to surrender to you. I've been to prison. But I'm not washed up. I failed. But that's not my name. To our friends who are here with us today. I'm going to be in the lobby in just a minute. We'd love to meet with you. We have a guest for our first time attendees. A gift rather for our first time attendees and guests. But I'm not even going to close this service. I'm going to ask you, if God talked to you, press in. Worship begins your transformation.